Thank you so much for joining us online today at Christ Covenant Church. We hope you sense God's presence and are encouraged by the message. Now, here's Pastor Ryan Weems. If you got a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Uh, for those that were here last Sunday, we were in Acts chapter 2, so just electric slide to the right, uh, two chapters. But Acts chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 13 here in a second, and I'm going to kick it old school. I'm going to read out the New King James Version, but no matter what translation you have, you should be able to follow along behind me. Now, as you're hopefully trying to get there in your Bible, and, and we believe in bringing your Bible at this church, by the way, so don't feel guilty if you didn't bring it, just bring it next week. Uh, we believe in having our Bible, you get more out of the message when you look at it on your phone or a physical copy in front of you. But to give you context, we're going to pick up like right in the middle of a court case, okay? That's Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It's, it's some law and order up in the Bible, okay? Dun, dun, you know, I'm talking about law and order, like that's what's happening. And so you've got uh, Peter and John, I call them little John, but you got Peter and John, uh, they're two of the original disciples and they're on trial. Uh, so they're in court. Uh, now, just so you know this, if you're brand new to church, it wasn't because they did something bad. Uh, honestly, the only reason they're on trial is because they're preaching Jesus and because their ministry is growing and because people are being healed. Like, so that's why they're on trial. In fact, there's a guy that got healed the day before who's actually a, uh, a witness that's there in the courtroom with them. So think law and order, kind of what you've seen. This is what's happening in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Here's what it says. Now, when they, so the, the power people, the power players, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. So they were like, hey, these guys aren't this smart <laughs> to be able to see this ministry grow like this. It's because they had been with Jesus. That's why this is happening. Verse 14, and seeing the man who had been healed, the guy I told you about, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you be the judge. I love this line, verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They're basically saying, we can't help it. We have seen some stuff. We have heard some things. We have encountered some things. And we can't help but speak about that which we have seen and heard. Keep your Bible open, but close your eyes with me. Let's pray. God, I thank you for what you've already done today. God, I thank you that anytime we are challenged from your word, this group of people, this church body, uh, we step up. And we press forward. We don't take steps back. And I thank you, God, for that. I thank you for that heart 
and that culture that you're building here. I thank you, God, that we're not just a crowd. We're not just spectating. God, we're here to get involved. We're a community. God, I thank you for what you've done the past couple of weeks and what I believe in faith you're gonna do today. And so I pray, God, for the brand new person. I pray, God, for the seasoned saint that we would all go back to what the original OG Christian church and what it looked like and what it sounded like. God, I pray, Lord, that that this picture that we have in Acts 4, that it encourage us, but also challenge us to be more like the church that you've intended us to be. And God, I pray that as we step into that, that I know that there's no people at power that can stop what you're doing because you have great power, you have great authority. So may you use us, may you continue to work in us and through us to affect this great city, our nation, and the world. God, we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and let the church say amen. Amen, so be it. You know, it was uh, several months ago that my wife, uh, Isabel, and I, uh, she was just up here on the platform, but it was several months ago that, that we got to go uh, have a very unique experience, like a kind of a creative date. My mom and dad, who were in first service, uh, they paid for us to go to one of these immersive art exhibits that we have here in Houston. And I don't know if you've heard about these. Uh, They're actually not happening right now. They're kind of seasonal. But the one we went to, and just in general, they're not like a normal art museum. Now, here in Houston, we've got a great art art district. Uh, It's awesome, phenomenal. Uh, But this kind of experience is different. It's immersive, as the name means. And here's what it is. Instead of going to a museum and just looking at a small piece of art on the wall, you know, you can't touch it, right? Or they'll call security, you know, that doesn't work. You got the velvet robes, all that kind of stuff. Instead of looking at a small piece of art on the wall from a distance, you actually kind of step in to the art. And it's a really cool thing. You can look it up later if you like. But they use uh, media, tech, soundtrack, uh, projectors, all this kind of stuff. And again, the art comes alive as you step into it. And, and I don't know much about art. I do like art. I admire it because I can't draw anything. Stick figures are tough for me. Um, but even though I don't know a lot about art, I do know a little bit about Vincent Van Gogh. And that's what this exhibit was all about. And, and I found out, Isabel and I, we found out that he went through some stuff. Uh, there's a reason why he cut off his ear. Maybe you've heard that. Uh, he painted Starry Nights, which is the most famous painting of his and one of the most famous in all of the world. So I got a picture here. They're going to show this online and in the room. This is kind of what it looks like. So again, it it comes to life. You're like stepping into the painting. It's all around you, even projected on top of you. And there's music, all that kind of stuff. So it was a fun date. And and here's the deal, that when you experience something different like this, it doesn't have to be this, but it's something different like this, you're usually going to tell people about your experience. And I know that was like that for us. There was people in our church, you and our church family here, they were like, hey, we did this thing. It's really cool. Great date idea, guys. I hope you're listening, by the way, when it comes back around. It's a great lady. He's going to get an amen. You know, like it's a great idea. Uh, Dinner and movie is cool. We love that, but this was something different. Uh, But when you experience something like this, you're going to tell people. We told many people in our church. We talked with our family about it. And I think everybody, every single one of you has had an experience like this. And what I mean is it was so unique, you loved it so much, uh, it was something different that you couldn't help but talk about it afterwards. Like maybe for you, it was a great restaurant you went to 
And, and maybe you're a little bit like me, but, but I, I thank God for the chain restaurants, but I love it when you find a hole in the wall place. That's good. Anybody like that? It's like, give me the chain. That's cool. I know it's kind of static and I know what to expect. But when you find like a hidden gem, especially in a great foodie town like Houston, like it, it's awesome. Now you don't want to tell everybody about that hot spot, but you do want to tell your close friends, right? Like that, that's just how it is. So maybe it was like that for you. Uh, for others, uh, maybe it was a great vacation and you went to it and, and it was one of those vacations that like you actually enjoyed it, you rested. It wasn't a vacation and you came back and you needed a vacation from your vacation. Like it was a good one. And yeah, it cost a little money, but man, you, you had a great time, a great experience. You saw beautiful things, you ate some good food. And when you go on a great vacation like this, again, you can't wait to tell people about it, to post pictures about it on social media. Uh, for others, and this is probably a lot of us, uh, whenever your kids or maybe your grandkids do something really unique, something really special, you can't wait to brag on them to others, right? That's just, that's just how it is. Maybe you got young kids or young grandkids like the age of ours and, and they're little and they paint a picture and it looks like Picasso. You can't really understand what's going on, uh, but it's your kid or it's your grandkids. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna put it on your fridge, right? You're proud of it. You're like, this is beautiful. Other people don't even know what it is and you don't even know what it is, but it's amazing. And you tell everybody about it. Uh, maybe your kid or grandkid was in a recital or they did great at the game or they made a certain chair in the orchestra. And what are you gonna do? You gonna talk to people about it. Why? Because you love them. They did something special. It could be a whole bunch of things, but here's the point. When you experience something special, when something really moves you, you can't help but talk about it. And this is where Peter and John are to the max. They have, and I hope you hear me, church, they have truly encountered the living God. I don't mean they heard a preacher talk about him. They met Jesus face to face. God with skin on. They walked with him. They talked with him. It wasn't just messages. He taught them in person, the messages. And not only that, Peter and John and the other original disciples, they saw Jesus die on the cross with their own eyes, and they saw him three days later raised from the dead. And so when I say they've encountered the living God, they encountered the living God. And they're like, man, we have seen too much, and we have heard too much to not be changed by it. And even though those that were in power tried to stop them, tried to hurt them, they could not stop, they would not stop preaching. Why? Number one, you can write this down, because they were compelled by the Spirit of God. I've seen too much. I've heard too much. I saw Jesus die. I saw Jesus raised from the dead. I spent time with him after this. This really happened. This is not some story to make people feel better about themselves. This is history, not a story, history. And so we can't shut up about it. And they were compelled by the spirit of God that we've got to talk about it. We've got to tell others. And the same should be true for us, church, that when you encounter Jesus, when he has changed your life, when he has taken you from death to life, you are then compelled by the spirit of God to tell everyone else. It's like you've got the cure for cancer and we're not just talking physical cancer, we're talking spiritual cancer that leads to eternal death. You know the cure. 
So you can't shut up. I don't try to stop me, try to hinder me. It don't matter. I've got to talk about it. He has changed my life and I believe that he can change your life too. Peter and John, they had been wrecked in a good way by Jesus. They saw that he was, he was true and he was real and they could not shut up about him. They were compelled by the Holy Spirit. And, and again, this should happen with us. And I just want to kind of pull back uh, the veil here today. And, and there's times in my life, I'm de definitely not perfect at this, but there are times in my life, and this should be happening in yours too, where, where I'm compelled by the Holy Spirit to say something or do something. There's times where I, where I don't obey. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's times where I make excuses like maybe you have before. And, and, and I think it's like, you know, just my own mind coming up with that. Or, or sometimes I even blame the devil, which doesn't even make sense because the devil wouldn't ask you to do something good, <laughs> you know. That's just kind of how it is. And so I don't always obey, but I do remember different times because we should obey. That I was compelled by the Spirit to say something or do something. And, and here's where my mind went as we're preparing this message. I, I went back to 2016. So right before... Uh, we came here uh, to Houston, and I'll never forget this. My wife, Isabel, who's in this service, she will never forget this uh, either. Um, but I, I remember being compelled by the Spirit of God uh, to share my faith again with my grandpa. And I'm talking about my mom's dad. To give you some context, because all this is really important, is that uh, my grandpa at this time, he was just about to turn 90 years old. And uh, his health had been declining for years uh, his wife, so my grandma, my mom's mom, uh, she had passed away years before, so he was by himself in Wichita, Kansas. And because he was about to turn 90, uh, my cousins that live in Wichita in that area of Kansas, uh, they were going to throw him a party. And so they had invited us to come to this party. And uh, my wife and I, to give you even more context, uh, right before this gathering that was going to happen there, uh, we had been on a week-long missions trip. I believe it was to El Salvador. And I don't know if you've been on a missions trip before. Uh, this was even different for us. We weren't just on it. We were leading this mission trip. And it wasn't adults. It was teenagers and young adults that were on this. So I don't know if you've ever been on one or led one with young people. But it's a big responsibility. The, the mom and dad ain't expecting you just to take them there. They're expecting you to bring them back too. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, they're not there, mom and dad. And so, I mean, it is, it's a big, big deal. And so we came back right before this birthday party that was happening there, and we were exhausted. It was not a vacation, okay? We were ministering like every day, like multiple times, and not sleeping very much. And, and uh, anyway, so, so we were there, and it was, it was good tired, but we were tired. We were exhausted. And so I remember having this invitation to go there, and, and just to be real honest with you, the inner dialogue that I was having with God was like, I don't, I don't really want to go, go there. I'm tired maybe another time. But my wife, as she was having God speak to her too, uh, she heard from God. And by the way, men that are, that are married here, never underestimate how much your wife can hear from the Holy Spirit. I thought I'd get an amen there. I'll give you a do-over. Never underestimate, guys. I want to hear from you how your wife can hear from the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? amen? I'm telling you, she hears from God just like you do. And so I'm like having that internal dialogue. I don't know. I don't know. You know, maybe another time. I'm having an outward dialogue now with my wife. And she's like, no, I really feel like God wants us to go. And I was like, yes, ma'am. You know, I'm going to walk in obedience to that. And no, no, no. So she, we were talking to have this conversation. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. This is what God is saying. And so we got everything ready. We only had our oldest at the time, Luke. And my mom went with us as well. And we really felt compelled. And so we packed up the car from Dallas, where we're from. 
and we drove to Wichita, Kansas. Now to give you another step, uh, another kind of layer pull back here. Uh, not only did we felt compelled by the Holy Spirit, but here's why we felt compelled is that my grandpa, uh, we weren't sure where he was at in his faith with Jesus. As far as we knew, he was not saved. And I had tried even years before as a teenager to share my faith with him. Uh, I gave him like, I wrote him a letter. You young people don't even know about this, but I use this thing called paper and with pen on it. I know just, it just doesn't make sense, but I used it. Ask your parent, you know, about it. Um, but I wrote him a la- uh, handwritten letter. Uh, I gave him the book, Mere Christianity, which is a great apologetics book, by the way. I think that's the book we're going to give away at our apologetics conference uh, in January. It's, it's awesome. Easy to understand, but so profound. And I gave him this as a teenager, and I never heard back from him on this. Uh, he was a good man, but just being a good person doesn't get you to heaven. The Bible's very clear about that. And so, so I had given this to him and heard nothing. My mom had tried after she got saved as a young person, she had tried to share her faith with her dad and just never got any response. And so this is why we felt compelled. So again, we packed up the car. Uh, we're driving there from Dallas to Wichita. We get in on a Friday night. Uh, we stay the night in a hotel because we got in late. And then that Saturday morning, the next morning, we went to my grandpa's house. Now at this time, he was living on his own. And we pull up uh, in the driveway there and uh, he's sitting on uh, the front porch uh, again, about to be 90, he's, he's skin and bones at this point, uh, and he's eating ice cream at 9 a.m. <laughs> he is living his best life, okay? <laughs> you remember that, Isabel, like he's eating ice cream. And uh, so we get out of the car, uh, we walk in, and we, you know, we do all the pleasantries, we say hi, and we hug, and everybody kind of goes in the house, and then I get my grandpa, because again, I'm on mission, I'm compelled by the Holy Spirit, I've got to share again with him. And uh, I get just me and my grandpa, outside and again this is just this is a big deal to me and so I get him out there and uh, even though he hasn't responded before with the different things we tried I'm I'm going all in I'm bold this is what God wants me to do I brought my Bible that I told you about last week or a couple weeks ago whenever it was and and I just asked him I said hey Gramps uh, can we just take a moment and can I just read the Bible to you just a little bit and can I just share my heart and he says okay which is that first little step there and so I open up to John 3 16 now let me say something about John 3, 16. Here in America, because we see all those crazy people on the street corners that have those signs and see all those people that they've got at the games and all that kind of stuff, we think we shouldn't use it anymore. Use John 3, 16. It's Bible and it's powerful, okay? As so I read to him John 3, 16, and I just kind of share my heart with them, and I'm, I'm bold, I'm honest. I'm like, I'm like, Gramps, every single person, you, me, everybody, we will all pass away one day, and the Bible makes it clear that we're going to spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. That's the truth. I don't care what culture says. Even you can be mad at me right now. It's Bible, straight Bible. I said, that, that's just reality, Grandpa. And I said, I want you in heaven, and I believe God wants you in heaven. I talked about my grandma, his wife, that had passed away, and she was in heaven because she was a believer, a follower of Jesus. She was a Christian. I said, Grandma would want that for you too. And so in that moment, it was a holy moment. In that moment on that dusty front porch, I asked my grandpa, Grandpa, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? And again, he said, yes. And so I, I remember getting down. I can picture it now. He's sitting down, one of the rocking chairs there. I get down on one knee. I put my arm around him and I just begin to pray my heart for my grandpa and I and I and I, I mean God is God is moving 
And I'll be honest with you, my eyes weren't closed. I was peeking at him as I was praying. And by the way, if you bring someone to service, when I get to the end of the service like I will today, and I say all heads bowed, all eyes closed, you have permission to keep one eye open and peek, okay? <laughs> for real, you do. And so I'm praying for him, I'm praying my heart. I, I see that he starts to cry. And I don't know if I'd ever seen him cry before. So he starts crying, and, and you know your boy, I start crying too. And I'm just praying my heart for my grandpa. I get done with that prayer, and I ask him again, just being bold. I was compelled by the Holy Spirit. I said, Grandpa, can I lead you in a prayer where you would commit your life to Jesus, where you would know that when you die one day, you'll spend eternity with God in heaven, in paradise? And my grandpa said, yes. And in that holy moment, yeah, you can give God praise. And in that holy moment, I was able to lead him in a prayer after me, just following the pattern in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And my grandpa, he gave his life to the Lord. And here's what you need to know. That at 90 years old, God was not done working on his heart. And all those things prepared him for that moment. Here's what else you need to know. Is that very soon after that, my grandpa would die. And so if I did not go being compelled by the Holy Spirit, if I did not walk in obedience to that, he maybe wouldn't have had the chance to give his life to Jesus. And I share that with you, not to make much of me, but to make much of Jesus. That when he compels you to say something or do something, and he will if you've given your life to him, being filled by the Holy Spirit, that when he asks you to say something or do something, it's your job not to debate with him like I've done many times, but to just say, yes, and as you walk in obedience, y'all with me, church, he will bless and he will move in power. And back to Peter and John in this passage, they had encountered Christ like many of you have. They were compelled by the Spirit. They had seen too much. They knew too much. They couldn't be quiet about it. And they were sharing their faith and God was moving. And if you continue to read in chapter four, they're released from the court system very soon after that. And the church that had been praying the whole time, they, they celebrate and they pray and, and, and they give glory to God and they ask for God to give them power and strength. And the Bible says this, that they were all shaken. They weren't stirred, they were shaken. And God moved. And those that hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet, that's that extra we talked about that not too long ago. Those that weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit yet, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit too. And they continue to move forward together and then in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, let's pick up. Same chapter, same passage, is a little bit down. Here's what it says that happened next. Now the multitude, so this is the church, the early church. The multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Another translation says it this way, that they shared everything they had. Verse 33, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. And isn't that supernatural, by the way? Because how many of y'all know they had, they had issues and they had struggles and they had needs, but there wasn't anybody that lacked anything. That's powerful. For all were possessors of lands or houses, those that were extra blessed by God sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each 
as anyone had need. So the early church, you got to see this picture. This is, remember, the church at its finest, all right? What we should look like, the OG Christian church. Number one, they were compelled by the Spirit. Number two, they were generous with the people. And the way that God has designed all this, hear me loud and clear. This ain't politically correct, but it is Bible correct. We were never meant, church, to rely on the government to take care of people. This is the truth. And this ain't a left side, right side kind of thing politically. This is a Bible thing. That the way that God has designed it is that we would take care of each other. That we would be generous with the people. It's how it was with the early church, not just Acts 4, but also Acts 2, what we talked about last week, to take care of each other. There was a generosity and a grace upon the church, and that's what God wants for us. And so I just want to encourage you, and the people that get mad about talking about generosity and stuff, guess what? Those are the people that aren't giving, (laughs) that aren't a part of it. But for those that are like my family and so many of you, you're like, amen, preacher, preach it, preacher, because you know this is what God has set up. It's how God has designed it all. And so I just want to encourage you and challenge you that your generosity in your giving, your generosity in your serving, your faithfulness in the tithe, 10%, it is making a big difference, and it's the church operating at its best that we would all help each other. And over the last month, I've been sharing a lot of the testimonies that have been coming in and not just financial stuff, but way beyond that. And I made a commitment to you not too long ago to do that. And I've been holding true to that. And I want to give you another testimony I couldn't help but share today. Why? Because your generosity is making a difference. And we've been able to help a lot of people this fall. We're believing to help a lot more through our Christmas offering that we've been talking about. Um, But we don't just help people outside of this building. We help people within our own community. It's people even in this service that we've helped and we've done things for. And so I just want to share one testimony with you, and I think it will uh, encourage you just like it's encouraged me. But we have a single parent in our house that, that we surprised. They didn't even ask for this, uh, but we were compelled by the Holy Spirit, and we surprised them with a financial gift. And I'm not going to tell you who it is. I didn't ask permission, uh, but it's so powerful. So because of your generosity, we surprised them with this financial blessing. And here's what they said back. I want to read this to you. The single parent said this, I, I can't even begin to have the words to say how much I appreciate the money today. I was totally caught off guard and blown away by the church's generosity. That's you, the church's generosity. I know that we're supposed to lean on each other in hard times and to help each other when needed. I truly count you all as my family. I'm not sure how I would have made it this past year without your prayers, words of encouragement, friendship and now financial help i'll go buy groceries and a few school items thank you so much i am beyond thankful and humbled love you all can somebody give god glory right now for that he did it through you I don't know about you, but I think sharing all these testimonies almost every single week, my my preaching gets a whole lot better. (laughs) Just sharing all these awesome things that God is doing. You need to know this stuff. You need to know. So again, this is what we do, church. This is how God has orchestrated it all. And really, it's been from the very beginning. It's not just an Acts thing. It's a Genesis to Revelation thing. It's the church at its best that we'd be generous with 
the people. I want to show you what this looks like. This is how I want to end this sermon and this series. Jeans, would you help me out, my brother? He's going to bring this card over here. I want to end with this illustration. Can y'all make some noise for Jeans right here? Jeans is awesome. Maggie right here too, his bride. It's like blue jeans. That's what you told me the first time you came, man. It ain't spelled that way. But that's how it sounds, jeans. Awesome, got that locked in. That one's good. That's plenty. Thank you, jeans. I want to I show this to you, and I think it will really help you. I know it helped in first service. Very simple, but I think profound. And so you've got here some flowers. My wife, she put these together. We're going to use these at our Connect group tonight, our friends giving. <laughs> got these beautiful flowers. And let's just say, just for the sake of the illustration, that these flowers are praying. Now don't write me an email, I know flowers can't pray, okay? Just an illustration. But let's just say that they're praying, and, and what are they asking for? They're asking for water. They know they need it. And so these flowers pray, they're like, God, we need you. Pour out on us, God. We need some water. I, I don't know why they sound like that, but they do in my mind. <laughs> so dumb I don't know they can't be like you know like super like just aggressive I, I don't know anyways they're elegant flowers God we need you and so they're they're, they're praying they, they need water they're, they're asking God for provision they're asking God for help here's what you need to know about this is that that God he's got all the water have we not seen that this weekend? We've been reminded, right? He got all the water. We didn't even have to buy uh, rain boots till we moved to Houston five years ago. I know we've been a little bit drought recently, but still. And so the flowers, they're, they're crying out. They're praying for water. And God's got it. He's got all the water, all the resources. And you, you, you got to get that in your heart. Like he's not limited like us. Y'all believe that today? Like he's not limited. Cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. So they, they need water. God's got the water. And God, not only does he have the water, but he has the power and the authority to go right to the flowers. And he can do that. Literally, he can open up the heavens and pour out what they need. And it happened in the Old Testament. Some of you know this story, but God's people, the Israelites, they were wandering in the wilderness. They were in between slavery and the promised land. And that will preach right there. They're just wandering and they start crying out. And they probably weren't the high pitched cries, but they're crying out to God. God, we need, we need food. We're hungry. We need something. So God saw the need and he has it. He's got it covered. And here's what he does. You can read about this in Exodus. But God, he opens up the heavens and he pours out manna and quail. So bread and chicken. It was the first Chick-fil-A. <laughs> For real. Holy chicken, chicken and biscuits, baby. I don't know if they were butter. They probably weren't butter, but it was, it was good stuff. So literally he does this. And not only was it, was it chicken and biscuits, chicken and bread, uh, but they were also closed on Sundays, just like Chick-fil-A is. Like for real, if you study it, uh, they, they could not collect on the Sabbath. Now, don't email me. I know the Sabbath wasn't Sunday back then, okay? We get it. You, you know the Bible. We get it. But, but it was a different day, and there was still one day a week they could not. Has anybody rolled up to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night? Anybody? A few of us? And you're like, oh, yeah, today. 
God, I know it's good they're honoring you, but I still wanted some chicken, you know, that kind of deal. So they're crying out in the Old Testament, God gives them manna and quail. So again, he can, he, he has all the resources. He can pour it out. Here's what this means for you. That if you're in a financial need today, pay bills, debt, just snowball, just out of control, you can cry out to God for help. And he has the power and he has the authority. And sometimes he does this. He can open up the heavens and rain down money on your life. And you're like, yes, Lord, make it rain, right? Pour out the Benjamins and not the dude. Like I want the money, right? Like he has the power, he has the authority and he can go straight to the flowers. But here's also what you need to see. Even though he has done that, and even though he can do that, that's usually not how he does it. And all throughout the Bible, there are way more examples of him doing it differently. So here's how he more often, most often does this. Is instead of going straight to the flowers, he starts looking for a container. He starts looking for the church. And by church, y'all know I'm not talking about a building, right? I've said that to him blue in the face these last five years. I hope you've got it by now. The church is not this building. The church is a people. If you believe it, can you say amen? amen. It's not a building, it's a people. So he's got the power, the authority to go right to the flowers. And he does that sometimes. But oftentimes in life and in scripture, he looks for an empty container. Somebody that he can trust to bless. And yeah, we're talking about finances because that's what the text talks about it, but it's even beyond that. Talent and, and time and so much more, skills, all the expertise, passion, favor, anointing, all that stuff. But God is looking for a container that he can trust to pour into. And so the flowers are praying, they're asking, God, would you pour out upon us? We need rain, we need water. And God's like, yes, I hear your cries. I'm looking for a container. And then God's like, ha, Christ covenant church. That's a people I can trust. And so God, instead of going straight to the flowers, he chooses, read it all throughout the Bible, to fill up the container first, to pour out his blessing upon you and I. Why? Because he is trusting that once he pours in to a trustworthy vessel, it's not gonna stay or stop with them. What I'm teaching you right now, some of you have never thought about it this way before, but you're gonna see this pattern from this day forward for the rest of your life all throughout scripture. What I'm teaching you now is the logistics of the kingdom of God the delivery system of the kingdom of God. This is the UPS, the FedEx of the kingdom of God, okay? This is how he does it most times. They're crying out, God has it. He finds a container, he pours blessing into the container and here's where it gets real fun. That as the container of God's blessing, we hear from God. We're compelled by the spirit of God and we see the need. And so we get to come to somebody a group of people, a person, and we get to say, hey, I see that you need water. God showed it to me. I'm compelled. And I see that there's a need in your life. And I got good news for you. I got what you need. And it's not me. God gave it to me. 
but God also wants to give it through me. And so you see the need, and because you're a trustworthy container, you come over and say, I know that you're hurting, but Jesus loves you. God is for you. You are not alone in this. Here's the water. I know I'm spilling, but that's just the overflow, y'all. You know, just <laughs> you can make anything preach. You know? <laughs> but it didn't stop there. Here's an example of this Christmas offering. What's one of the things we want to do? 50 kids in our city that will not have Christmas unless we help them out. Like your kids, your grandkids are going to have Christmas. It may not be the most extravagant thing, but they're going to have it. But there's kids in our own city that won't have it unless somebody steps up. And so you got moms and dads, even the children that are crying out because children are smart, y'all. They know what's been happening in their family. And so you got families in our city, they're crying out, God, we need help. God, we can't do this. We're, we're struggling, God. Do you care? Do you see us? And God's like, yeah, I see it. I, I hear your cries. But again, oftentimes he doesn't go right to the flowers. What's he do? I gotta find a container. Ha! Christ Covenant Church. That's people that love me, that are faithful with what I bless them with. I see the need of those moms and dads, those single parents that can't provide Christmas. I'm going to pour into Christ Covenant Church. I'm going to move in their life. And then we get to, oh, this is fun. We get to come alongside those families and those ministries and say, hey, it ain't about us. There ain't any special things about us, but our God is awesome and he has heard your prayers. We got what you need and we're gonna pour out God's blessing on your life. It's amazing who God is. It happens over and over and over again. You cannot mistake it anymore. This is the logistics of the kingdom of God. It's how he set it all up that we would take care of people that we would not rely on others. What God has blessed us with would not stay with us, but we would pour it out for others, not to make much of us, but to make much of Jesus. This is our calling and this is what we do. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. Jesus, thank you for your word. I pray, God, you'd help us to get back to the original OG Christian church, to be the people of God you've called us to be. I believe it right now. I sense it in the room. Even those that are skeptical, anytime churches talk about money and stuff like that, even the most skeptical person, I, I believe they sense and see clearly what your word declares. That, yeah, you have all the resources. That's absolutely true. And yes, you can go right to the flowers. That's absolutely true. But there's actually a pattern in the Old Testament and the New Testament where you look for containers, people that are trustworthy to bless them and to pour into them finances and resources and gifts and talent and time and passion and favor and anointing and not so it would just stay with them but then they could go to others and say I see your need God loves you God knows you and to pour out that blessing upon their life and when we do that as you've originally designed it we will reach more people with the gospel I pray God for those as I shared that first point from Acts chapter four, the compel, uh, compelling that we feel by your Holy Spirit, I pray God that right now you connect the dots for people. There's something in their life that you're asking them to do. 
There's something that you're asking them to say to someone that they love. There's a compelling, and maybe they're like me, and sometimes they kind of push it off or make excuses, or, oh, maybe that wasn't God. I pray that right now you connect the dots. For some of them, it's going to happen this week with Thanksgiving in an uncomfortable family environment that they normally would step into. They're actually going to step into with purpose and passion as you're compelling them to be bold, They've seen too much. They've experienced too much. They know that you're real. They have the cure for the spiritual cancer and disease, that sin that is plaguing our world. And they know the cure. The cure is you, Jesus, and your saving work that you've done on the cross. And they can't help but, but speak about it. They will not shut up. And I pray, God, that compelling that they would respond and obey whatever you're asking them to do, whatever you're asking them to say. We've seen too much. We know too much. We've been changed from the inside out. Break our heart for the lost. Break our heart, God, for what breaks your heart. It's hurting people, people that need help. Jesus, you said yourself, you didn't, you didn't come for the well person, you came for the sick. Compel your people, compel this church. May you find us faithful and generous that you can bless us, not so we have more, but so we can give more to help other people. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I pray lastly, God, for anybody in this room, anybody online that's far from you, I pray that today would be their day, just like my gramps back in 2016. I pray that today would be their day of salvation. It's not about being a good person or earning their way or working their way to you, God. You have already done the work once and for all on the cross. You already did the work as you gave your very life and gave your very last breath and you said, it is finished. It's done. No more working, no more striving to get to you. God, you came to us. That's what the Christmas season is all about. Emmanuel, God with us. So I pray for anybody who has never committed their life, never surrendered their life to you. I pray that today would be that day. And here's how you do that. Romans chapter 10, that's actually the next, is where you go right after Acts. But in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, it says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's how you're saved. It's how you commit your life to Jesus, confession and belief. So right now you can do that in this room or online and other rooms. You just whisper to them. It'd be the honor of my life to lead you in that prayer just like I was able to lead my gramps. You can whisper this to the Lord. Jesus, I confess that you are God. I believe it really happened. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross. And I believe that three days later you rose from the dead. And so I ask you, you've got to ask him this. I ask you, Jesus to forgive me of all my sin, to clean me up from the inside out, to make me new. I give you my past, I give you my present, and I give you my future. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for healing me. You're doing for me now what I could not do for myself. I give you glory. And I give you honor.
And we ask all of this in the mighty, matchless, powerful name of Jesus, we pray and let the church say amen. Thank you so much for listening today. If you made a decision for Jesus Christ or if your life has been impacted in any way, please send us an email at info at We would love to hear your story. And for those that committed your life to Christ, we want to help you on your new journey by sending our free Start Bible Kit in the mail. If you'd like to partner with us financially, simply click on the Give tab at ChristCove.net. There it will take you to a safe and secure page where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift to help us accomplish our vision, heaven full and hell empty. And as always, you can find out more about Christ Covenant on our website or on Facebook or Instagram at Christ Cove Houston. 